All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Crocus Experience. I'm actually really excited about this one. Um, Alex and I uh, have not chatted for a long time. We were just catching up off air for a little bit to, to see where we're at. But Alex and I met uh, in university. I mean, we would have, I started in 2014. We met somewhere in there um, in my journey between 2014 and 19. Um, but basically, he is crazy about space. Um, and uh, he did his master, just finished up his master's. Um, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, but it was around uh, some satellite stuff, which was super cool. Um, but I saw one of his posts pop up the other day, and he, he basically has been doing astrophotography for, what is it, like a year now, Alex? Yeah, about a year. Yeah, so he, he's been doing that, um, and I've seen posts here and there, um, and he just started selling some of his prints, and I was like, man, we got to chat about this. I'm curious to know more. I'm sure there's other people who have that uh, that hidden, you know, love of, of space and everything that's that's outside the realm of what we can touch and feel. So, man, I'm super excited to have you on here. Yeah, me too, man. Thanks for having me. Um, this is my first time really getting an opportunity to, to you know talk about uh, the astro astrophotography stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited as well. So, just give people a bit of a, a background on on you, you know, your journey, um, you know, what, uh, what it was that led you to, to your love of space. Cause I, I think I, I kind of know, cause we, we both met some pretty cool people at one of our competitions, uh, in engineering, but just fill us in, maybe fill me in on that and, and we'll just, uh, riff from there. Yeah, no, that's, that's great, man. So, um, you know, I, I got into engineering at UNB just because I knew I wanted to do something related to space. I've always wanted to be kind of an astronaut ever since I was a kid. And, you know, that that comes with a lot of, you know, question marks. Like, how do you do that? You know, the, the first option I was presented with as, you know, a kid coming out of high school was, you know, join the Air Force, become a fighter pilot. That's the straight shot. You know, Chris Hadfield did that. Many other uh, astronauts we know and love did that. Um, so I went that route initially. Um, and I, I did, you know, the air crew selection for the Air Force and everything. And, you know, it just something struck me um, that it just wasn't the right way to do it. You know, I, I'm not really a person that I think would thrive in a military environment. I like a schedule. I like structure, but not to that extent. Um, so then I, I kind of was able to pivot. I got this opportunity, um, like you were talking about that engineering competition. Um, I met a Canadian Space Agency engineer, I guess even more than an engineer now. She's uh, she's one of the you know top people at the agency. And she you know was impressed by what we did at this uh, competition by making a centrifugal pump out of garbage, basically. Um, and, you know, she she basically got, got me a job, a co-op job uh, in Ottawa, working for a really cool space company called Neptech. And, you know, that kind of started the ball rolling on me being aware that the engineering route, um, you know, I can aim to you know, go to space someday. And I think that will get me in a really cool place, even if I don't make it there. Um, so, you know, after my engineering, after the co-op, sorry, um, I went back, finished my undergrad, and then was able to get into the master's program uh, at UNB, where uh, it's basically a brand new type of master's for UNB, where um, it's kind of like a design and also, uh, you know, analysis masters like it's a msc so it's like a master of science and engineering but you know usually people focus on like one specific topic and beat it to death and write a you know 100 page thesis about it um i actually had two topics within my one um and i was essentially you know doing the mechanical design and, and analysis and simulation for uh, the violet cubesat which is uh, new brunswick's first satellite mission 
Um, so, you know, two topics, whole lot of work, took about two and a half years to get this done, just wrapped it up. Um, and we're scheduled for launch, I think, in summer of, or sorry, fall of 2022. That's awesome. Um, so, so it's coming up. And yeah, it's, you know, we got delayed by COVID and everything and, you know, plans changed and, and all the, there's the chip shortage going on. So we're trying to find, you know, components for, uh, for the satellite itself. So, so, um, it's, it's, so yeah, sorry to cut you off there, but just so people are, you know, who are listening, no, you, you actually designed and built a satellite that's going to space, correct? Yeah. So I was one of the, I think there's the hierarchy at UMB for the CubeSat project is like professors, which are in the space world and, you know, space systems world is, uh, they're called principal investigators. So kind of like scientists run the show in our case, that's the professors. And then below them is us uh, graduate students. So there's about five of us. So we're all the project managers. So I was a mechanical project manager and I worked a bit on outreach. Um, so yeah, I was in charge of basically organizing like how all the stuff mechanically was done, but I was also the only mechanical engineer for like, you know, two years. So I had a lot on my plate to deal with. So I took, I did most of the actual mechanical design for the satellite. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and what I, I remember at one point there was, you know, a lot of 3d printed uh, parts. What did, what did the satellite end up being made out of? So it's like the structure is made out of uh, CNC uh, 6061 aluminum um, and all the external like kind of interfacing parts of the satellite that interface with the deployer that like launches the satellite into space while it's sure. in space is uh, it's all anodized cool. uh, because, you know, in space, if you have aluminum and aluminum just touching just like bare machined aluminum, it could cold weld. So when you anodize it, it makes it almost a little more like um, little less friction and there's no cold welding that occurs because we're basically like pushing these little satellites that are like about the size of a loaf of bread out of like a big steel like silo that has like multiple you know ports in it i guess you have all these satellites basically stuffed in this big deployer and then like kind of the flap opens and the spring pushes them out and that's how they get uh, deployed from the space station that is that's cool okay so they're gonna they're gonna go up get taken up by by uh rocket to the space station and then deployed directly from the station. Yeah, that's right. They're going up on a Falcon 9 on a uh, crew resupply mission. So if anyone's, or you or anyone's familiar, well, they're going on a Dragon, just the cargo Dragon. That's amazing. Um, and then they'll get basically offloaded by the astronauts in their big, like, you know, soft stow bags. It's like big deployer unit. And then eventually, I guess, when the astronauts have time, they'll uh, put it at the robotics airlock and the Japanese robotic arm will basically point the deployer and then they'll launch them uh, 30 minute intervals, I think, until all the cube sets are launched. That's incredible. Yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. Because, uh, you know, but back when many people who are listening probably don't know this, but back when I was in university, and you and I were going through together, um, I was involved in the rocket club. So this is all, it's been a second since I since I, you know, looked into that world again. So this is getting me excited here as we chat. Yeah, man, the Rocket Club, that, that brings me back. And uh, our, our good friend, Andreas Marquis, too, who's uh, he's actually working with a really cool startup right now called um, Space Ride. And they're they're like the one of they're going to be one of the first Canadian companies to like build and launch their own rocket into lower orbit. And it's basically a, a pretty small rocket that's just goes to space in a stratospheric balloon and then there's like this gimbal system that points it and then it launches it. It's super cool. So, you know, that's we're amazing. all kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's cool. So you 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 did all all that, you know, got that done. Super exciting. And now, you know, we, we were chatting before 
um, that there is, you know, there's there's some exciting opportunities with the space agency, you know, you, that you're you're working on getting sorted out, right? Yeah, we're working on getting that sorted out. It's you know, it's it's tough with COVID. The uh, the agency's been shut down, not shut down, but um, they haven't. It hasn't been open access to all of its employees since you know uh, March of 2020. So um, it's supposed to open in January, at which time I would be able to go there and work. But um, we're not, it's still up in the air. You know, we got that new variant. So you know, Montreal definitely has quite the population. So um we're just taking it day by day so should know soon but i'm just trying to take, stay patient and I'm doing a lot of astrophotography stuff so yeah yeah that's awesome Let, let's let's dive into that but i mean it, it's so cool to have have watched your journey and, and the work that you've put in you know and the, the baby steps it's you know you've had this goal for a long time but to see some of that come to fruition is it's awesome you know to have seen have just seen that seen that happen for you so you you've been you've been involved in in space stuff for a while and how did how did the astrophotography come about what kind of was like what kind of made you say hey let's let's give this a shot and then how many thousands of dollars did you spend in equipment after that? Yeah. <laughs> well so i saw this picture um i was i was actually looking for a background on my phone for like a good moon picture and i was just looking around and i was like oh let's see what nasa's got and i was like okay well i'm on instagram i started looking around and I found this guy that was taking just insane pictures of space. And I was like, okay, there's no way you can do that as just a normal person without like a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment. Like there's no chance. Like how, how the heck do you do that? So then I, you know, barely any research. I buy a $150 telescope on Amazon, just like plastic. Like if a slight gust of wind came, it would like vibrate like that. Like just, the worst but i got one picture of the moon through it and i was like wow like just with my phone like holding it against the eyepiece I'm yeah, like, Damn, yeah. that's cool okay like okay there's room for improvement here for sure like sent that telescope back um, <laughs> <laughs> instantly the next day i was like this is garbage i need better um then i you know was researching you know what's like what's a kind of entry telescope to get like system i found this one it was like 700 dollars. it was like you know had a like motorized it's like oh yeah this is a ticket this is the one right here um and then i luckily found the same model on kijiji being sold in fredericton for like 350 bucks so i just scooped that up and that was the telescope i started astrophotography on and it was well i we don't really have to get into like all the you know mechanical complexities of what works and what doesn't but basically the one this telescope i got didn't really work um, I could take like 20 second exposures, whereas now I can take like 10 minute exposures. So it was quite the quite the difference in just how it's actuated and how it tracks the night sky. So I ended up selling that semi recently after I, you know, optimized it and, you know, got what I could out of it and kind of pushed the upper limit of what's possible with that system. I think I sold it about six months ago. Um, and then, but, you know, but I think last Christmas, I got I got a telescope that was at you know a smaller shorter focal length it's like shorter focal length basically means you know you're you're zoom, less zoomed in so sure. I got a shorter focal length but it was made better it's like all aluminum you know all these glass elements in it that you know really really nice and uh, so I started kind of building that system and that's the one I currently use um, and all the pictures I have you know of deep sky objects it's from that new system. That's awesome. Let's uh, let's take a look at the the pictures too, so people who are watching live or on YouTube um, can can see this. And if you're listening to the podcast after, just head over to YouTube. You'll find it. Um, 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look here. Is there a favorite that you have? And you just emailed these to me before. Is there one that you'd like to look at here first? I mean, I so the uh, th there's three of them here that are taken with my telescope, and there's one that was kind of a excuse me a multi-panel like a vertical panorama, so multi pictures with a, a wide angle lens. So like sure. just a camera and like a big fisheye lens. And that's the Milky Way one. And I think that's my favorite because, you know, I basically snuck into Hopewell Park with my friend Josh um, this summer around my birthday. And, uh, you know, it was just such a magical experience because the sky there is so dark. Like I could, I couldn't even find the North Star. Like it, wow. I usually can find it within seconds. And that's how I like align my mounts and how it basically knows how to track the night sky because it everything rotates around north, right? The yeah, Earth yeah. rotates. So the night sky, all the stars, if you you know took a really, really long exposure, you just see the north star basically staying in one place and everything rotating around it. Mm -hmm. So it was so dark there that I couldn't even find the north star. Like it was there was so many stars in the sky. So it was just it was beautiful. And uh, you know, we spent about four hours out there. I, I think this is about two and a half hours of the in the night sky part. Um, wow. And what this image is, is a, it's called a composite. So I took the Milky Way images from a higher vantage point. Um, and then I took the foreground um, images from the lower vantage point. So I could, you know, make it look better. Um, sure. Essentially. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, this is, this is beautiful. So this, this picture, it's, it's a couple pictures. Um, do you layer everything too, to get the different colors? Yeah. So I, I, with my camera, especially out in dark skies, I just use like a, a filter that blocks like UV and infrared light. So it, mm -hmm. it basically gets rid of the red tinge um, because I have a modified camera and we can get sure. into that after, but you basically just modify it. So it's more sensitive to, you know, um, the red wavelengths of light, which are, there's a lot of that stuff in space. So I use that filter. Um, and it, I took about probably for each of the two sky panels, I probably took uh, an hour and 15 minutes each. That's um, cool. And then you stack those and what image stacking does, it uh, reduces noise. So when you're just taking a picture of the night sky and you just take one, if you zoom in, it's like, you know, you see, you might see a little red pixel or uh, like pixel noise of just random colors, or it might be really fuzzy and you can't make the details. What stacking the images does is it cleans that up and makes you um, be able to see what's actually there. So like, you know, you, you know that sky is black or you know there's, you know, purple there, you know there's uh, yellow there, whatever color it is, it just enables you to edit it and sharpen it better because there's less noise and and uh, you, you really know like what pixel is what color. That's incredible. Yeah, so so you take the time to, to take the pictures and then how like how many hours of editing would this take after? So I this was probably my fifth revision of this image so mm -hmm. my initial sit down i probably spent about six hours editing it mm -hmm. um and then you know two hour increments for each one so you know i would say for this image it was at least like 12 to 18 hours um i'll, I'll put into it and then plus the actual time spent prepare, preparing and uh and out there taking taking the images that's incredible I, yeah that's awesome yeah so it's uh it's a work it's an art piece as well as a science piece is is really what it is um and yeah, it's, yeah i'm going to show people here but you you actually have these on etsy as well so i'm going to drop the links uh on facebook and youtube uh, but he's got these prints that he's taken 
uh, as well. So that this one here, you can grab it, um, and then and then this one here. So let's uh, let's look at some of the other ones. Um, this is the the California one you said. Yeah, so that's the California Nebula. It's uh, just a massive, massive, massive object. Like I think it's like a couple thousand light years in diameter. Um, and it's a couple thousand light years away. So, I mean, if you could, if you were in a dark enough place, you'd be able to see it in the sky. Like it's not, it's not like insanely large in the night sky, but you know, probably, you know, if you looked up, it would be the width of your hand in the night sky. So pretty significant. So do you have to go outside the city to get less light pollution and make it a lot easier for photos or can you do this right from within the city? Um, so I don't have to go outside the city because I have some light pollution filters. Like this was taken on University Avenue, downtown Fredericton. Okay. Um, from my girlfriend's back, back deck. Um, yes. But, you know, the Milky Way picture was taken in dark skies. And unless you're in dark skies, you're going to have trouble getting like true RGB color to show in your image. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it's, there's no replacement for a dark sky. You know, there's all these different, uh, uh, filters you can use that I do use, um, like light, like a kind of light, light pollution filter that's just kind of reduces um, the effects of light pollution in a city. So it doesn't completely kill your your color. And then you have narrow band filters, which really only let in a very specific sliver of a type of light, which is in this image, it's called hydrogen alpha. So that's like the reds you see. And like with the heart nebula, like we were just looking at in the Etsy shop, that's also a primarily hydrogen alpha rich uh, uh, target in the night sky. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's mostly red. And um, but yeah, so you can there's basically three important, most important bands in astrophotography and even astronomy. It's it's what the Hubble Space Telescope uses to take most of its images. And it's uh, sulfur two, uh, hydrogen alpha and oxygen three. So those correspond to red, green and blue, where red is hydrogen alpha, blue is, I think blue is sulfur two, and then green is oxygen three. So those are where all you see those like false color, like Hubble images that, sure. you know, this actually in a false co color Hubble image would more, look more kind of like orange and blue. Um, but I just took it primarily with hydrogen alpha to really get that red to pop because it is a heart after all. Yeah, this is beautiful. This is, uh, this would be a, a space lovers Valentine card cover right here. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I should have dropped this one around Valentine's Day instead of Christmas. You can drop it again. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> I love it, man. So you've got this one. This stuff, like it's it's so cool to hear you hear you chat too, because you're you're fired up. And I know there's some fellow space lovers out there. We all you know, I, I think there's you know, we could get really, really deep and philosophical on it, but there's every one of us has this longing or this desire to to look at the night sky, right? And and to yeah. it kind of draws you in. If you feel connected to something bigger than yourself, um, I think Chris Hadfield has has said it multiple different ways. But you you start to see how insignificant you are, how insignificant your problems are when you when you look at this sort of stuff. And I think that you know that for me that's the draw here is that you've you've taken the time, you've turned this into an art form, but you're capturing you know what you know is out there. So it's it's amazing, man. Well, and it's so cool too because you know it's not visible. Like you can't just see it. I mean, there's, I mean, if you can, you know, you get an absolute cannon of a telescope, like massive, massive tube bucket of light. You can see this stuff, but it looks like if you looked at this one, this is the Andromeda Galaxy. And I took a little artistic license with the color here. 
this was in my like my, this was my first time editing a galaxy which galaxies are really hard to edit um especially yeah, I can imagine. Not, like super dark skies so i i shot this one from downtown fredericton so i anyway um yeah no the, the draw is just incredible though like just getting out there and and being under the stars and and you know you look up and you can't see the stuff that's there but then you know you start getting these images start rolling in and you're taking like a you know five ten minute exposure and you just see this thing that you look up and can't see at all and it's just it's so cool it's magical every time i love it it is it, it is magical i'm gonna be i'm gonna be snagging one of these after so you've got the the etsy store here um i i will like i said i'll drop this in the links um so tell people what they're what they're going to be getting here when they when they order this. Yeah, so I I I've been working with a local print shop called uh, what was it called K KKP. I think they just got bought by someone. But anyway, I, I wanted to do it locally just for my first time doing this. So I've been working with them since July, doing test mm -hmm. prints as kind of I've progressed these images because each of these images that are on uh, my Etsy shop have you know have had multiple iterations and evolutions. Um, just as I've added data to them and, and learned new processing techniques um, to basically enhance it, make it look better and more real. Um, yeah. and so I worked with this print shop and you're, what you're getting is a two different images sizes, but the printer we're using is a 10 ink large format printer on really high quality photo paper. So I just wanted to make sure like these prints were high quality. I wasn't just like drop shipping them from Toronto and had no idea like what the quality was or, you know, I didn't want to compromise in that respect. So I worked with them for, you know, multiple iterations to choose the paper and the inks um, that we were going to use. So we settled on this really nice large format printer that's, um, you know, about the size of a fridge on its side. So they're... Yeah, so it's I was just going to say, you, you got to get something big enough to fit the whole galaxy in, right? And and uh, put that on paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it's the goal someday to be able to print like massive, like, you know, a wall size print or something, you know, just like something absolutely ridiculous of the Milky Way. There's some people I look up to, uh, other astrophotographers that do really incredible work, like really, really cool stuff. So, you know, I'm, I hope Man, to get you're, doing, you're doing really you're doing really cool stuff. This is amazing. This is amazing. And yeah. and the the question, because there's a lot of people in the States that watch this. Um, so can you ship uh, to the States as well? Um, I don't right now. I just, it was easier not to. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, if, if there was interest, if there's enough interest, I probably would change that. But um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. No, that's, that's perfect. When, when you do open it up, the uh, $30 Canadian is like $5 US. So it's uh, a <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> seal of the deal. That's a, uh, man, that's incredible. So you're, yeah, tell, tell us what the, you know, as we kind of wrap up here, tell us what the, what the process and the journey is for you from here. Yeah, man, that's, I mean, that's always a question that's on my mind. Um, always something I'm kind of wrestling with and, and, uh, and working with. Um, but you know, it's, I'm still in a place where I don't know the path forward. I don't know exactly what's going to get me to where in my mind, I think I want to be, you know, I, I know I want to be an influential person in, in the field of space and science. I want to inspire young people to, you know, take a journey like this or something similar. Um, opportunities are becoming more, uh, they're becoming more prevalent. When I was like, when we were doing our undergrad, I had to, you know, I wouldn't say fight is the right word, but you know, I got kind of got lucky, you know, in, in, in the opportunities I got. And I don't, I don't like that. I want people to be able to decide 
sure. not have to like weasel their way around or like, you know, like try to find an opportunity that isn't there. Um, because, you know, people in Ontario, Quebec and BC, they have, they have all the opportunities with this stuff, like so many. And it's time for New Brunswick to have that, too. So I think a big part of what I want to do is, is, you know, similar to that and kind of like mentorship and helping people get to where if they want to go this route, help them do that um, while being kind of like, you know, a person they can look up to and do that. And then on the other side of things with me looking forward and also looking back, but this is me looking forward is... Um, find something that I can sink my teeth into, like another project, um, you know, whether that's design related, whether that's working on a space mission, human or not, so like robotic or, or human, um, or um, doing operations. So operations is really cool to me. So that's kind of like the mission control stuff you see. Uh, it's a little less romantic than, than that. You know, it's like a lot of shift work and, and uh, really stressful times. Um, that with not a lot of, you know, uh, fanfare around it, but, yeah. um, you know, working on uh, ISS operations. So working on Canada arm operations where you kind of uh, calculate all the different loads that the Canada may experience or kind of plan the missions for it. You know, if there's a spacewalk or whatever, just working with mission control being their kind of uh, systems engineer uh, arm of that to, you know, help them make informed decisions and plan their missions accordingly. So I find that really cool too. So I don't know, I'm just, you know, kind of see where I go in the next couple months and, um, make informed decisions as I go. Yeah. The, I mean, that's, that's what we're all doing and we, we can have the most elaborate path laid out, but ultimately it comes down to, you know, where do you put your, where do you put your foot down for the next step? So that's, man, I'm, I'm excited for you. This is, this has been cool to touch back in and see what you're doing. Um, if you could, you know, looking back on the journey, if you could tell someone or maybe tell yourself when you're just coming out of high school or something, what would you, what would you say is a, is a nugget that you've picked up uh, of knowledge of wisdom of experience, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever the case may be. Well, I have ADHD, so I tell myself to be more patient <laughs> and I would also say, you know, like you can't like you can't focus on the things you can't control like literally you can't it, like, if you focus on the things you control it's it's gonna drain your battery like you know you're you're gaming on a 14 inch laptop like you are gonna lose that battle so focus on the things you can't control and eventually the things you can't control will likely become things that you can't control so that that is a thing that i would tell myself um along with being patient <laughs> Yeah, that's that's huge, man. Well, I really appreciate really appreciate catching up. We'll we'll wrap up off here here, but uh, you know, where can where can people find or follow you? Uh, you know, this, this journey going forward. Obviously, there's the Etsy store, but is, is there a presence on Instagram that they can follow? Um, how can how can people keep in touch with us? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. Uh, my uh, astrophotography page is at astropix by Diddy. Um, Diddy's my name. So yeah, you can find me there. You can find um, I post most of my images um, there um, and just in a way that Instagram can handle it. And I'm working on uh, my Astrobin page right now, which is a place kind of that you can go to see astrophotographers work in full resolution, whereas Instagram, you know, downscales everything. Um, so I'm working on that. But once that's ready, it'll be linked on my Instagram page. But where you can find me right now is at that Astropix by Diddy. That's awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I've really enjoyed this. This has got me excited uh, about the topic because <laughs> it's, it's been a second since I revisited it. 
but uh man appreciate you coming on people go go follow him um there's some there's some big things that are coming down the line and this uh I, i've been watching you steadily crank out the photos and I'm, I'm excited to see what what uh what else happens so guys appreciate you showing up appreciate you listening in share out the podcast like subscribe all the good stuff and diddy and i uh alex and i will will wrap up off air and uh you guys have a great day thanks everyone